Welcome to SEC Primetime. I'm Max Starks. I'm the offensive lineman, but of course, no good offensive lineman is, is, is complete without a great quarterback. And so my co-host, Clint Sterner, is here with us. So you're listening to SEC Primetime with Starks and Stern, presented by our partners at Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, Clint, first of all, how you doing, bud? Just give us all a background here on what the Sterners bring into this show this year. Well, look, here's the deal, man. It's, it's all is well, first of all, and so I'm glad to be here with you, my man. There's nothing like keeping company of the big fellas. I was always fond of that back in my playing days. So good to be here with you, no doubt about it, and good to be talking to the people about the best conference in America, no question. Um, and look, I mean, I, I've been in the media game for for quite a while now with the SEC Network for a, a few years. Got, in the, got into the uh, full-time radio gig about three years ago. I'm in the city of Houston right now, um, but but staying tuned in to, to everything SEC um, on a daily basis. And so uh, I do full-time radio. Uh, I love college football, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to this season with you and, uh, and chopping up what we see and what we expect. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be wrong some of the time, but it's going to be fun chopping it up. Yeah, li- li- listen, it's, it's, there's no fun in being right all the time. I mean, you know, if every day is a sunny day, how can you appreciate it, right? I mean, I think that's, that's right. kind of the, the, the idea of it. And, you know, and that's good. We're both seasoned media vets, so to speak. But we also are steeped in the blood that is the SEC. That's, that's the fire we were born out of. That's the love. That's the passion that comes in. And so it's going to be fun this year because – being on this platform, being on Field of 12 gives us that additional avenue. And it allows us to get the message out. And you being in Houston is perfect because by 2025, it'll be all SEC anyways in the state of Texas. So <laughs> you're good. You just kind of went out in the westward expansion, you know, in, in the old Conestega and, and the wagon before everybody else. You're just exploring <laughs> new terrain for the SEC. So you'll be yeah. in good hunting ground soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Max, I, I'm usually one that likes to let everybody work out all the wrinkles before I get involved. But you're right. I may be ahead of the curve here, brother, with the with Texas coming on board in a few years. Texas A&M right up the street, obviously, some high hopes for them this year. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good spot to be in right now uh, with the SEC on the move the, the way that it is. I always tell people, man, I, we're we're in the, in the sports talk world, right, Max? And, and it's it's about doing your due diligence and giving an expert opinion. I don't always have to be right. I don't always have to be first. But you better bet that I did my homework before we bring something to the table. So uh, I'm excited about it, man. It's it's um, it's it's a good year after after this COVID nineteen. I know we're still in the middle of it, but after COVID nineteen, a lot of change, man. College football has changed in a major way, um, and, and I'm excited to be able to be on here talking it um, with some of the best best guys in the in the in the game. Well, let, let's start right there. I think that's a perfect segue for us. Transfers and what is now new in 2021 and no position better suited for this conversation than where it all starts. The guy behind the center, the quarterback position. Um, this is quarterback forecast. We'll, we'll look at it this way. This segment will be quarterback forecast where we kind of talk about Who's under center, right? Who's the one calling the plays offensively? Because we do have some of those transfers, right? A la the transfer portal, which is like a magic genie lamp for kids' careers. You just rub it and pray that the genie comes out and grants (laughs) you a scholarship. Um, So let's just start there. You're down the street from Texas A&M. 
they went on record, announced Haynes King as their starting quarterback. And so let's just kind of start there. That, that's our jumping board is what do you think of Haynes King and how do you think he fits into what Jimbo's trying to do at Texas A&M this year? Well, look, I mean, here's the deal. The kid's raw as ever. I mean, he's got, he's gifted. He's, he's, he's been blessed by the good Lord, no question about it. And he's been blessed by the fact that he landed at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, who happens to be one of the best quarterback developers in the game. And I, I love, Max, just so you know, we're learning a little bit about each other as we go here. I, I, love, I love the pro-style um, quarterback developers, right? There's a lot of this off-platform stuff, off-schedule stuff, all these different arm slots, and that stuff's pretty. But ultimately, you and I both know that you cannot play the position at a high level. You cannot win consistently in the best conference in America unless you can distribute the football from the pocket accurately and on time. And I think I think the combination of the raw skill of, of Haynes King associated with the fact that he's with one of the best quarterback developers in Jimbo Fisher. And again, I want to emphasize that quarterback developer being more of a pro style distribute from the pocket type of, of quarterback uh, uh, developer. I think is a a match made in heaven. Now, I will say this. The kid is young. I was young at one point trying to play in this conference when it wasn't necessarily as strong as it is right now. This is a tough conference to survive in when you're you're a rookie or you're a a young quarterback, second-year player in college, no experience. It is a tough, tough animal to to go a, a full slate of SEC games, and he's doing it. Big Max, and you know this, he's, they're having to replace four offensive linemen at Texas A&M. So you got a rookie quarterback, lack of experience. I know he's a second-year guy, but lack of experience. And you're having, to, you're having to replace four offensive linemen. I don't care how good you are on defense. I don't care how good you are at the skill positions, Max. You know better than anybody. There's, that's scary in this particular uh, conference and in the western side of, of, of the SEC in particular. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that's probably why Haynes King was that choice, because he's athletic. So he might yeah. have to he might have to get on the high horse a couple of times and run around to make some things happen. Um, you know, I look at this and, you know, I think I think it's we're looking at different contenders in the West. So we'll keep it going because we're going to come back to Texas A&M um, and dive more into it. Um Known products. Let, 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 let's go with the known product in, in, in the West. Let, Matt Corral and Bo Nix. I, I think when you look at them, last year, Matt Corral, of course, in Lane Kiffin's offense, just kind of you know went bananas like we expect most Lane Kiffin quarterbacks to do. Um, can he be a Heisman favorite? We need to see some games before we go that. And then Bo Nix, obviously another coordinator, another year. Um so much promise as a freshman. Um, and now it's come to the point where will we ever see Bo Nix hit that level that we've heard about being, you know, yeah. coaching kid royalty, um, you know, coming from a football family and background. So what do we have in those two guys? Because I think those are probably the next two in the tier when we're looking at the West as far as who can contend with Alabama. Well, when you talk about Matt Corral, I don't know if we're I don't know if we're going we're going to talk Heisman at all because I don't think they can win enough ball games for him to be in that consideration. I mean, he lost what was it five games last year when they scored thirty five plus points. I mean, I don't think he can put a product on the field good enough at Ole Miss to to win enough football games, quite frankly, to be in the Heisman conversation. It'll be sexy early, 
um, and he'll put up some great numbers. The highlight reels for you and I to study and watch is going to be a lot of fun. But but I, I don't know if it's going to amount to a to a, a wins, and I don't know if it's going to amount to the accolades as you know at the level of of Heisman Trophy winner. I think he's he, he's a really good quarterback. Obviously, he's uh, you know there's there's some some really great film out there, and there's some really poor film. He threw six interceptions against my alma mater, Arkansas. And and that that kind of play just has to be completely eliminated, or or it will or it will eliminate you from any kind of Heisman conversation whatsoever. So uh, he Matt, I like Matt Corral. I love he's a new age quarterback, off schedule, off platform, uh, highlight reel type of quarterback. I just don't know how it translates to W's at Ole Miss, um, you know. And then when you talk about Bo Nix, to me, Bo Nix is a guy that his ceiling's just not high enough. I mean, his, his ceiling's not high enough. It wasn't high enough in, in uh, Gus Malzahn's offense, which was obviously like their quarterback to, to, to run the football and produce with his legs. Um, it, it, was, it was good enough to be the starter. I don't know if it was good enough to be a game changer and allow them to compete the SEC West. And in Mike Bobo's offense now with a new, new uh, offensive coordinator in Auburn, I, I don't know if his arm, Max, is going to be enough to, to really move the needle in a sense of winning games in the SEC, SEC West, the games that matter. I, I think he's a, a, a very admirable blue-collar uh, type of quarterback that everybody's going to love, and, and he's probably going to hang on to that starting position. But I don't know if he's a good enough player. I don't know if he has a high enough ceiling to make them a, a true um, factor in the SEC West when you've got AM moving on up. I think LSU is going to be better than people think. And then Alabama sitting at the top. I just don't think Bo Nix is a, a talent that's going to get Auburn there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough uphill battle. I mean, and no matter what the IQ is, right, three coordinators in three years is tough yep. for a college kid. It's, di it's difficult enough in the NFL, but for a college kid to find some consistency, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's an uphill battle. Brian Harson. I like him as a coach. He's a great interviewer. Yeah. You know, he, he he has a great background. But I don't know if this is the the team and the roster ready for him to make a big jump in his first year at Auburn. But I, I think you said it. I, I think we're looking at now the bounce back with LSU. Um, Max Johnson comes out. He is named your starter. The kid looked great in, in his limited time last year. And the kid threw for over 300 yards, I think, in three straight games or something like that. So, I mean, he has a lot of potential. LSU, we know they're never short on two things, speed and skill players. So, will you pair that with Max Johnson? What's your outlook <laughs> and your forecast for him? Because I think they're, I think LSU's poised to have a good year this year. Yeah, look, I, I, I think LSU is too. I, I think they, with the new coordinators and with, some, with losing some, some key players, uh, really, really on, on both sides of the ball, um, you know, look, I, I think they're they're probably going to be overlooked a little bit, but but I, I love the Johnson kid. I mean, you talk about you know, hell, you played in, in the swamp. I, I went down there and tried to play in the swamp, and I got sacked ten plus times and left with a concussion thanks to Javon Curse. But um, you, you don't you don't just stumble in. I don't give a damn what year it is. You don't just stumble into the swamp and and have a career day and beat Florida. It, you, it just don't happen. I don't care how good your team is. It just don't happen. And and for him to go in there under those circumstances. And, and play the best game of his career, which will probably end up being the best game of his career, in Florida, it tells me one thing. There's no moment too big for the kid. He's obviously gifted. He's obviously talented. He can produce. Uh, he's got great bloodlines, as we all know. Um, but, boy, his ability to go in there in, in that environment 
and play at that level is awfully impressive and should not be overlooked. I, I think I think he I like him a lot, um, and I, I think he's gonna he him. I think Miles, uh, what's my man's name? Miles uh, Brennan, the quarterback that got okay. injured. He was their starter. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I know a lot of people were high on him, and he's probably the more, more gifted player. But but I, I think it's going to end up being, um, you know, a, a blessing in disguise that that Johnson's actually uh, the guy because I I think he's just a, I think he has the ability to to answer the bell in the big moments. And, and if the quarterback at LSU has that, as you said, size skill speed that's all going to be there at lsu every year so uh the guy pulling the trigger is going to be critical and i I like johnson there yeah no absolutely and you know he had a career day and then of course you know marco wilson tried to challenge him in a throw off and and he lost but (laughs) 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 football goes further than shoe as we learned yeah Um, the re- the shoe game rematches this year, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, round, rounding out the rest um, uh, uh, of the West, we'll hit Will Rogers real quick, just because I mean he has eye popping numbers, right? I mean, but Mississippi State can't win a game to save their life. And I want to give you a little bit more time to kind of talk about KJ Jefferson over there at your alma mater. Uh, Will Rogers, Mike Leach, year two. We know the air raid is there and they can throw it to a million people and make you look really bad in the air raid, but they can't win a game because they have zero defense and they become predictable. <laughs> what what do you see with Will Rogers and Mike Leach in year two? Do you think Mike Leach has actually added a 13th and 14th play into his playbook or is he still sticking with that same 12 that he's had, you know, like the water boy, his special notebook. He just has 12 <laughs> plays and that's it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Look, Max. I think I think the air raid is what it is, man. I, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a really explosive scheme. Um, it's it's going. They're they're going to beat somebody this year. They have no business beating, and and that's just the, the fact of the matter. Every se. I mean, every uh, air raid team. They they uh, my man Leach and, and and company did that at uh, Al Mummy and them guys at Kentucky back in my day with Tim Couch and. You know, there's that air raid is 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 a fun game to play. It's fun to watch. They're going to beat at least one team they shouldn't beat. But the bat, the, the other side of that coin is because of the way in which they they have just total disregard for, for the clock, um, total disregard for the importance of turnovers and time of possession and and things of that protecting the quarterback, things of that nature. Um they're, they're going to have a really, really hard time competing in this, in this conference. Look, he, he's, when you talk about, when you talk about Will Rogers, I mean, he, he's, he's executed the, the, the game plan for Mike Leach really well in terms of getting the football out, distributing it accurately, getting it out of the quarterback's hands, you know, all the passes that are ultimately runs he's done a really, really good job of. And, and I personally think that the, the reason why you don't see them have the ability to stretch the field and make the big plays that you typically see in, in the air raid offense is because of the conference they're playing in. And so, unfortunately for Mississippi State, I don't think there, are, there, I don't think there is a whole lot of answers um, in, in terms of being able to compete in this conference. They're going to have a nice highlight reel. They're going to put up some big numbers, like you said. But ultimately, that style of ball, Max, I just – when you got to run the SEC gauntlet, it's just too much. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that's kind of one of the things that we see, right? I mean – why the air raid works in the Big 12 and it doesn't work in the SEC, why it doesn't transfer is, like you said, time of possession. 
you know, in the SEC, when you have big physical linemen leaning on you all the time and your offense is trying to get the ball down the field as fast as possible, you put yeah. that defense in trouble. And that's where time of possession helps give a breath. It helps give the tempo, right? It, you know, I call the, the, the offensive line the, the, the drummers, right? They keep the cadence for the rest of the team. They keep the pace for the team. And you just constantly put them out there time after time after time. Yeah, we're scoring 45 points, but our defense, because they're dead, because we've gone through four deep on the defense, we are giving up 55. And I think that's kind of one of the things that you would think Mike Leach would finally get over. Um, but, yeah, the SEC is it's a different – you can't translate air raid into SEC. You can't translate it into Big Ten football because it's just – the defenses are just that good and the, and the opposing well, offensive lines. Well, think about the position that you played, Max. I mean, the, the air raid, and everybody does it different, but the air raid, they believe in spreading out, like big wide splits and spreading out, the, literally spreading the defense out from, from inside out all the way to the sideline, right? We're going to spread We're going to use the whole field from sideline to sideline. And so the, the, the offensive linemen splits are bigger. And so think about it. I mean, there's nobody better to talk about that than you. Is It don't matter how talented yeah. you are. In this league against Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, I mean, you're gonna, I'm gonna give you more instead of Max Starks having to block an All-American in a phone booth. I'm gonna spread it out and ask you to block him in a, you know, in, in a, a a shipping container, right? I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. you're giving you're giving some of the best defensive linemen in college football. You're giving them seven, eight yards to work on an offensive lineman instead of four. And, and I, I mean, that right there in itself doesn't make any sense. Mississippi State's offensive line – oh, and by the way, and then line up and snap the ball 80 times against those guys and see if you can have any success. I just, I just don't see how it translates to consistently being in – consistently being competitive in this conference. I, I just don't see how – unless Alabama or LSU or Georgia or Florida, unless they decide to try it one day, because they don't have to play themselves, I just don't. I don't see how how it, uh, it 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 translates to competing in this conference. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and that's one of the main turnoffs that got me in high school when I was being recruited by some of the Big Twelve teams. Texas Tech, I mean, infamously, right? They're yeah. synonymous with air raid. Um, you know, over the last probably fifteen years, you look at it, you're just like, oh my god. I mean, when you see those six foot splits, you're just like. No, thank you. Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. Richard Seymour, Marcus Stroud, John Henderson, Albert Hainsworth, you're not giving them those type of holes because no. there's nothing you could do at that point except That's for right. lay down on the train tracks. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's dive into K.J. Jefferson. Let's, let, let's okay. talk about this Arkansas squad. You know, you got to see them big surprises last year, right, when Sam Pittman comes in. And they really start shocking people, especially that first half against Georgia uh, to, to start the season. Um, they don't do any favors to you guys, right? <laughs> you guys still have one of the <laughs> toughest schedules in all of, all of college football. Uh, just KJ, just talk about, you know, coming into this year, um, expectations for him and how, how you see that working um, in, in year two under Sam Pittman. You know, it's funny because, Max, being a, being a Florida Gator, it's very similar to what you guys are going to go through at the quarterback position. I, I mean – when you look at KJ Jefferson and his skill set, I, I liken it to, and be careful here. I'm not saying he's a he's a starter in the NFL, but I, I liken it to a Dak Prescott, a guy that can spin it around the park fine, uh, a big-bodied quarterback that in the quarterback plus one run game is going to need to be between the tackles, downhill, more 
be more effective in your short yardage type of stuff and your goal line type of stuff. He's not he's not going to be your Kyler Murray twitch and get outside. Not that kind. It's going to be between the tackles. So I I, I say from a skill set uh, and from a scheme approach, I think he's a quarterback that has to be used similarly to how Dan Mullen used Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. And so it's it's that skill set. It's that unique skill set. And last year he was backing up a guy in Felipe Franks who. Felipe Franks is a guy that I looked at. Him and Kellen Mond are the two guys that I looked at when I was evaluating quarterbacks at the SEC. And I said, those two guys right there will have a chance to play on Sundays because they are pro-style, pro-ready with their big power stroke over the top, pocket-passing, NFL-ready type of quarterbacks, at least by their God-given abilities. That's who K.J. Jefferson was backing up. Very, very different skill set to, 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 to the court, from quarterback to quarterback, just like you guys in Florida. Emory Jones, to, yeah. what's my man from last year? Oh, um, Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. Very different skill sets. So when Emory Jones did get in the game, or last year at Arkansas when K.J. Jefferson did get in the game, I mean, he's executing a game plan that was built for a pro-style quarterback, right? Now, yeah. I think Kendall Browse at Arkansas has had an entire season, offseason, to build an offense around K.J. Jefferson and his unique skill set so I think you're going to see a different Arkansas offense. You're going to see a better product. The biggest knock on K.J. Jefferson was he's completing sub-50% of his passes, which you and I both know that ain't going to work at any level. And so no. that's, got to, that's got to get better. But I think as Kendall Browse plans around K.J.'s unique skill set, you're going to get easy, throw in the oceans. You're going to get a whole different look because you're going to have to, you're going to, have to protect versus a quarterback run game. And so I think, I think it's – as because he can make all the throws, Max. He can make all the throws, um, and 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 he's a he's he's young and inexperienced, and and will definitely get better. But I think the biggest part of what KJ Jefferson brings to the table is literally Kendall Bryles, uh game planning around him and putting him in position to use his strengths consistently instead of him running Felipe Franks's offense. So um, there's a lot of you know we can break uh, KJ Jefferson down six ways to Sunday. Um, but ultimately, I think he's just going to be a better fit in what Kendall Browse does, and uh, he'll be fun to watch. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I, you know, watching Kendall Browse's time at uh, FAU with Lane Kiffin when I was covering Conference USA, you know, I got to see that up front. And, yes, it, it, it's an offense that's very friendly. I mean, they led Conference USA in offense and led them to a championship. So he, he knows how to adapt it to the mobile quarterback. We won't call him true dual threat, but he's a mobile quarterback that can move it around and they, and they can highlight that. All right. I want to turn my attention to the East real quick. And I'm just going to go with some of the more unknown properties. Cause we're going to get to some of the known guys um, as we get through the show, but looking at the two big, you know, three big transfers in the East, Joe Milton from Michigan, right. Coming over. He's going to be running Heifel's offense there with Alex Golish. Uh, Golsh. I can't, I, I think it's Golish. Um, you got Will Levis, Penn State transfer, coming in. He's going to be at UK. And Jason Brown from St. Francis running South Carolina's offense. Just kind of your thoughts on those guys. This is the middle tier of the East, right? We're still not getting into the contenders and the Blue Bloods um, for that squad. But, you know, how big is it being a transfer, coming in and, and starting right out the gates in a brand-new conference, in a brand-new – division how do you think the learning curve is going to be for these quarterbacks 
Well, it's, it's going to be an absolute mountain of a climb. That's for that's for sure. You know, here's the thing. I don't know a whole lot about about these transfers coming in, to be completely honest with you. And I think it's more of where you're where you're heading with that is the battle of, of coming in and and taking over a locker room, uh, learning the offense and playing the game is not going to be is not going to be the difficult part of it. Right. It, and it's out of their control whether the offensive coordinator can marry um, you know, his plan and his scheme to those quarterback strengths. That's out of their hands. So as the quarterbacks go, it's about getting in that locker room and taking over that locker room. And, and Max, if, if again, you know this being in the locker room, if you don't genuinely and sincerely have the ability to walk in and, and relate to dudes from, from 10 different corners of America that were all raised differently – um, by different families and different, you know, by different streets and by, you know, it's just, if you don't have the ability to do that, you're going to have a very difficult time at all three of those programs. Cause let's be honest, it's different walking in Alabama's locker room and, and taking playing <laughs> yeah. quarterback than it is Tennessee right now, or, or Kentucky or even South Carolina. I, that, that my alma mater last year with, with um, Felipe Franks coming in my, my opinion um, of Felipe Franks went absolutely through the roof because all we heard at Florida was, well, he didn't handle situations real well. He was immature from time to time. You know, the talking to the crowd and just the things didn't didn't end well. And I mean, not negatively. You know more about that than I do. But they just didn't end on a obviously a good note because he left. When he comes into Arkansas and you're like, man, I know this kid can play, but can this kid take over a locker room in some of the most adverse uh, situations that college football can throw at a person, and then you threw COVID nineteen on top of it, so it even made it worse. Um, that's the question for all of these guys. I don't know what the hell they bring to the table from a from a, a talent standpoint. We haven't seen we haven't seen anything from any of these guys that make us believe they're going to be they're going to be able to to take their programs again, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, to a different level because that's a monster in this division. But um, it's going to be all about their their genuine, sincere ability to to take over a locker room. If they can do that, then they'll have a chance. If not, it's going to be scary. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so let, let's go ahead and move on, and we'll get back. I mean, we'll get back to quarterbacks as we t- dive further into this because, you know, we still got Connor Bazelak, obviously, over there at Mizzou that I think, ha- you know, is a bright kid, but, you know, we'll have some stuff to do. Ken Seals is going to be at Vandy. He's going to be the quarterback, but let's face it, it's Vandy. Uh, you look at a team <laughs> that we're hoping they win a game this year. Um and then, of course, we got the known commodities, JT Daniels, Emory Jones, you know, at Florida and Georgia. So let's step aside for a second. Let, let's reposition ourselves, and then we'll come back and have a new segment here. And in there, we can kind of get to those guys. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your, your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With football season kicking off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. So, we're now going into – how do I want to put this, Clint? Okay, who can beat 
Alabama in the SEC. I mean, let's just put it out there, right? Who can beat Alabama? Because let's face it, it's the Death Star. They've locked in on your planet, and they're just going to push the button and watch things go boom. Every single year we get into that. And, and so every time we want to count them out, we can't count them out. They count themselves back in because they have the veto button. It's weird. Um, it's like they're growing players in some genetic laboratory on Alabama's <laughs> campus that we don't know about in the basement. Um, so let's, let's just kind of go through this. SEC projected wins of the year and kind of where we're at with this because I think the biggest thing is is that there's a, there's a big skew. And so we're going to go through these and we can kind of go back and forth about where we see these win totals being for regular season. This is not including, you know, totality, but, you know, Bama's a clear-cut winner, right? 11 and a half games is, is, is what their ceiling is because I guess they're just expecting them to possibly have a hiccup at some season with, with, with Bryce Young at quarterback. Um, Texas A&M, this is a surprise, in the West, only projected to have nine and a half wins this year. Um, thought is that is, is that is that about right? Are you thinking maybe they should be more in the ten range? Um, well, what, what are your thoughts it, it, about it? Look, I, I would take the over on that bet if you if you look at their schedule. <laughs> I would take the over on that bet, but but I I just I think there's I, I think. Uh, I think AM is probably being a little overhyped right now. I mean, they had they had a really good season last year. There's no there's no doubt about that. But as as we talked about earlier, man, you, you lose a four-year starter, you lose four offensive linemen, man, that that is an absolute game changer. And you replace it with a with a young quarterback with no experience. I, I think that's going to be a hurdle. And I, I think this, Max, I I think the days of of being really good on defense, I think AM is gonna be really good on defense. Like nationally, not just in our in our conference, but nationally, the days of just being really good on defense and being able to ride your defense to a to what we're talking about an SEC title or even a even a championship, I think the days are over. And I, and I think I think Nick Saban acknowledged that about five or six years ago when he went full out spread from bully ball to spread and started spinning it all over the park. I, I think that's when the the game really changed to where everybody woke up and said, "Hey, man." You got to be really good on defense, but you better be able to score some points, or you're going to have a problem two or three games throughout a season. And so, I think that's that's where AM is right now. I think they're I think they're I would go ten wins, um, but but I would real I've seen some people talking about twelve and zero and winning the West, and um, of course in my neck of the woods, there's a lot of Aggie fans, and they're they're excited about it. Um, I I just I don't know that I'm ready to get on that train, brother. Four four offensive linemen, new quarterback. That that's um, that's a lot of pressure on that defense to uh, to to win ball games, particularly early in the season. I, I don't know about that. Well, and and you're looking at you're in the West, so just think about Alabama goes undefeated in the West. LSU on a fluke year, right? The Joe Burrow year was phenomenal. They go undefeated, but they also had to go into Alabama and take that victory from them, right? And yeah, they had some help. It's just it's such a monumental task for any team in the West. So I, I think we take it a little bit for granted because because Nick Saban does it more often than not. But Nick Saban also has those old miss losses, right? Hugh Freeze days where he couldn't beat Hugh Freeze for two years. So that doesn't happen. Yes, Gus Malzahn had a couple of wins in the Iron Bowl, right? But they're too few and far between where a team bests Alabama. And for Texas I mean, just looking at their schedule, you know, yes, you have some fluff ones early on, but I, I, I don't know if Colorado is going to be 
an easy one for them to go into to Boulder and try and win that one. Yeah. You still have Alabama on the roster. You know, you still have LSU. You know, you have to go to Death Valley at the end of the year. And let's face it, LSU, last game of the season, my Gators didn't fare so well. So will they mentally be in it by that point um, to do it? So I, th- I think 10 is fair. Um, I like the over, like you said, slightly. But I think it, it, is, it is a lot to ask, and especially with a young new quarterback in that system. And like you said, replacing four offensive linemen is a monumental task. I work for the Steelers, so I see Dan Moore Jr., and Dan Moore has looked great as a freshman. I'm like, that's why Kellen Mond had so much success. He had that guy blocking his blind side. I don't know about Jameer Johnson. So it's going to be a big task uh, for them. And the next team that I think that they would have the the rival to as far as being second best in the West, I think is LSU. And they're slated right behind about eight and a half wins. Um, do you, I, I think they're better than eight and a half wins. What do you think about that? Oh, man, I, I like LSU. Um, it's not the same like that I typically have for LSU, though. You know, usually LSU, you just go, hey, man, they got the dogs in the, in the trenches on both sides of the football. They've got they've got some of the best defensive backs in, in football. They've definitely got speed. Usually it's all about, well, what the hell are they doing at quarterback? I mean, what can they figure out how to develop a quarterback for once? Um, you know, this year I, I feel really good about their their quarterback play, whether it's Miles Brennan or, or or the Johnson kid, Max Johnson, I, I feel like those guys can facilitate. I feel like they can distribute the ball. I feel like they can win ball games. They can play winning a winning brand of quarterback. I, I just I, I don't know. You know, last year they were one of the worst defense. And I know they had guys opt out. They had guys get in trouble. They had guys get injured. And it was a crazy year. But hell, Max, it was a crazy year for everybody, man. And I, I, I just don't. I don't know that that I'm ready. I don't know that I'm as convinced with LSU. Uh, I think they have a, I, I think I'll take the over on that bet, but I, I'm not convinced with LSU like I typically am. I think it's more of a gamble for me than, than typical. Typically I, I, I lean on the fact that they're just bigger and better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So they're going to be in the, every game in the fourth quarter and their speed and their athletic ability will take over and they'll win ball games. But I, I'm not as convinced that that's, that that's there this year. Uh, but with all that said, I'll take the over, Max, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, completely, I completely agree. Yeah, hey, listen, you, you, you have to throw it over in your head a couple times, right? You have to have a little mental boxing match with yourself <laughs> to look at it because obviously not everybody can win. That's the beauty of sports and that's the beauty of football. You know by the end of that match, no matter how many overtimes it takes, there's going to be a winner and a loser every single yeah, right. week. <laughs> and, and just right. looking at and just looking at LSU's schedule, I mean, they're going to come right out the gates, right? UCLA. And we saw UCLA, you know, this, this past weekend, and they were comfortable in their victory. You know, Chip Kelly had those boys humming. Yeah. And they've got a game under their belt, whereas LSU is coming into this, not playing, right, against an opponent, and they're traveling to Los Angeles. So it's, 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 it's a hill, and when we're talking about can this team be better than eight and a half wins? I think, yes, yeah, going to be slight because you got the UCLA non-conference. You still got to deal with what is the West. Um, you do get half of a favor because you, you get, you get Florida, right? You, you have Florida from your crossover from the East and you got Kentucky. So Florida is going to be a tough challenge for you, but you're seeing that mid season. So we'll kind of know who everybody is. 
And Kentucky, let's just face it, Kentucky's Kentucky. Um, and that's where I wonder where it is because you're going to Alabama as well this year. So that's yeah. going to be a challenge in and of itself. And then you finish the season at home and Texas A&M looming at the end of the year. So I, I like it. It's a slight. I think they are right at nine. I don't think it's anything above that. I'm not expecting anything magical because I, I think they find a way to win out of the Florida, Texas A&M games to give them that ninth win. They figure out one of those victories out of the two. Um, I don't think they get both. I think they get one of those. And then let's just go ahead and give Alabama, the, you know, a loss there for, for LSU. And it's tough. It's tough for me to pick them in UCLA. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. tough. it's, it's going to be a hell of a matchup out of the gate. I, look, I, I love Jake Peets, the offensive coordinator, bringing back in kind of a Joe, a Joe Brady guy on the offensive side of the ball. I, I really like him. Uh, I like him mixed with a quarterback that that is, again, somewhat experienced and can flip the ball around the park a little bit and, and isn't going to be uh, handcuffed or he's not going to be handcuffed by his quarterback's inability to, to execute his offense. So, so I like what they bring to the table. I, it's just a different level of confidence for me for LSU this year, man. I, I just, I don't know what is going to happen on the defensive side of the football, which usually with LSU, that's one, you know, you know, pretty, uh, the defense yeah. is going to keep them in games. I just don't know that that's the case this year. So it's just a different vibe for me for LSU and I need to see game one before, before I figure out, you know, any kind of, any kind of accurate opinion uh, on, on LSU, to be honest with you. Okay. So no, so no Denny greens right now. No, we were who we thought they were. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not now, not today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, let's turn it to the East real quick. Um, You know, your UGA 10 and a half. That's where they kind of sit. They're the front runners in the East, JT Daniels and everything else. I'm not as comfortable with this 10 and a half, even though I think they have a great chance to win the East. I'm not sold on their skill positions because you, get, you, you lose George Pickens for the year, right? The rest of your receivers are all injured as of right now. And is it going to be Jake Fromm like numbers, you know, from JT Daniels because you don't have the guys to pass to? Now, they will have a pretty good offensive line. You know, they seem to always have those lock, stock, and barrel. You know, it's almost like walking to the vending machine. You know there's always a Coca-Cola in there, right? So you can always (laughs) hit that. That's what they have for offensive linemen. But, you know, I don't know how strong I feel about it. And and we're getting Clemson right out the gates in Charlotte, right? I mean, that's that's a big primetime game. We're going to know really who's the front runner for one of those four college football playoff seeds right out the back. Because I think that's the question, right? Can Georgia be another college football playoff team? And you're going against a team in Clemson that's a perennial, but Clemson needs these type of non-conference games to stay viable. Even though the ACC has gotten better, they need this type of game, just like they needed Notre Dame last year, right? And, and the ACC yeah. championship to put them over the top. So, I mean, how are you feeling about 10 and a half for Georgia? Man, I, look, I was feeling really good until you told me about all the injuries <laughs> at, the, at the receiver position. Um, no, look, I, I like the thing about because the question you, you, you hit the nail on the head on several different levels right there. But the big thing is, is, is JT Daniels, is he legitimately a guy that can that can play the quarterback position with a higher ceiling than what Jake Fromm had? Because that's the story with Georgia. Like you said, they're always going to be good up front. They're always going to be able to run the football. Kirby Smart is going to have them them dogs hunting on the defensive side of the football. They're always going to be there. But in this conference, in in this in 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 the SEC, 
at the top of the mix, you got to have a you got to have a quarterback that's a game changer. You got to have a quarterback with a ceiling that's high enough, either w- whether it's with his legs or his arm. I don't care which one it is, but you got to have a guy that that is an absolute game changer. Jake Fromm was not a game changer. I, look, I'm a fan of Jake Fromm. I, I I love Jake Fromm. Wish him the best and, and hope he has a 10 year career backing up in the NFL. But ultimately, he was a, a low ceiling a low ceiling quarterback. <laughs> that just didn't have the ability to take the team to the next level. Is JT Daniels that guy or not? Max, you like you like that backup quarterback <laughs> in 10-year career? 10-year backup quarterback. I'm laughing I ain't a better funny. job in America, brother. No, li- listen, your fa- the, the most favorite player on the team is the backup quarterback by far. I mean, I look at Chase Daniels, right? I mean, Chase Daniels has been making bank, and he has like five stars in the NFL. Come on. You know? That's so, right. So, hey. So I love it, and I'm just I'm just laughing at that because I'm like, man, I was literally just having this conversation about a, an SEC quarterback who went and made a great career out of being a backup. Um, yeah, I, I think looking at that, now we look at, well, who's the contender in the East, right, who could really push the envelope on those guys? And I think you have to – it starts and ends with Florida because, I mean, we look at Kentucky. Kentucky's a seven-win team. Mizzou – They'll be average as well, six to seven wins. Um, we don't know what we have in UT, and UT is pretty much a dumpster fire in Knoxville right now. Um, and then South Carolina and Vandy, bless your heart, you know, kind of deal. But, <laughs> you know, when I look at Florida, my question, it's not even as much Emory Jones, it's Todd Grantham's defense. Because like we alluded to talking about the LSU game, and talking about Max Johnson having that career day in the swamp, can Todd Grantham stop blitzing DBs at the quarterback if he's beaten <laughs> if he's beaten the blitz like three or four times in a row? Like, stop right. sending them. Can this defense actually stop some people? Matt Corral also had a career day in the swamp. Even though they didn't win it, he was throwing the ball all over the field. It became a high-scoring affair. Texas A&M allowed Kellen Mond to look good. What can this defense do to make them better than a nine-win ten team and actually compete with the likes of Georgia when it comes Halloween time and we got to face them in Jacksonville? Well, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I I don't I don't know I don't know I don't have the answer for you, uh, Max. I don't, I don't know what they could do defensively against uh, you know the the particularly when we're talking about Florida getting to a point where it's hey you got to play you got to you got to upseat Georgia. Right, you got to upseat Bama in the SEC championship or whoever comes out of the West. When we're talking about Florida, I I, I do think it's about what can they do against the best in the country. I don't know defensively, um, you know what they what they need to do or what they can do. I, I think I think it rests more, uh, Max, on the offensive side of the football with with Emory Jones. I mean, what. What I love about what Florida has, I, I, I think I said this about Jimbo Fisher earlier, and I, I believe it, and I and I really feel this way about about Dan Mullen. Um, Mullen, he he's one of the best quarterback developers in the game, um, and and I, I believe that he and and Emory Jones with that skill set, um, it's a little bit of a crapshoot because I believe you got to be able to st- distribute the football accurately from the pocket to ultimately beat the Georgias and the Bamas and and teams like that. But I tell you what, after what he was able to do with Dak at Mississippi State um, and, and what he's been able to do with quarterbacks over his career, Brian Johnson at, at Utah, and who, who they lost Brian Johnson this past year to the Eagles. But um, I just, I, I, just I, I think that Dan Mullen and Emory Jones could be a, a beautiful marriage uh, at, that, at that quarterback position. Do you think – you're a Florida guy. Do you think Emory Jones makes – do you think he's all right? 
I think I think with what Dan Mullen can do as far as crafting that offense around the guys, because you look at yep. the flip he made for Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask in that Kentucky mm-hmm. game alone, being able to really change the approaches, right? Because Felipe was a more physical, mobile back, um, you know, quarterback in the backfield. And then you look at Kyle Trask, who was, I'm a pocket guy. I can run for my life, but I'm not a runner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think given an offseason, given the experience that he's had with Emory being in there and knowing mm-hmm. what you can do change of pace-wise now, crafting this to fit him, I think they can be viable. And I think they have some good skill guys that he can offset with. But my question is going to be, can the defense hold hold the opposing offenses off to, to make sure that that 27 to 28 points a game can actually get you a victory? Because I don't think the ceiling is in the 40s uh, for Emory Jones. I think he has to be a guy that's right around 31 and below and kind of win this in, in more of a traditional 50-50 fashion offense to yeah. defense. So, well, that, the, the, and, and the good thing, the Max – the good thing, Max, is that talking about you going with your your defensive, um, you know, approach there is that Emory Jones being the quarterback for this football team should be a lot more friendly to the defensive side of the football than than what Kyle Trask was. Because as beautiful as that was with all those weapons spinning the ball around the park, boy, I mean, when when the dam broke, it was it was a problem offensively, and the defense is just in a bad bad spot, right? Emory Jones and, and Dan Mullen should be able to put a product out there. The one thing that, that again, I don't know what we want. The bad thing about Emory Jones and that, that style of quarterback is we don't know until he's live, like until they put the ball down and go, hey, he's live, go try to tackle him. We don't know how good he's going to be, right? You, you can't, you, you can't, we can't go watch a spring practice or a spring game and go, boy, this guy's really lighting it up because we don't, they're not having to take him to the ground. Right. So we're not going to know, really know who Emory Jones is until they until it's live action. And I just think that there's a really good chance that the style of ball that they play on the offensive side of the football, that they're forced to play on the offensive side of the football could actually um, help the defense and be a more defensive friendly unit in terms of of Todd Grantham and the the Gator defense this year. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Mike Tyson said it best. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a great game plan. They get punched in the mouth. So let's see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into the weekend preview in a minute, but I just want to let you guys know about the Field of 12 Media, a brand new podcast and digital media network covering college football by the people that know it best. Brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions, the folks behind Field of 68. The Field of 12 gives you insight into the game we all love by the people that have lived it. Trevor Knight and Bryce Preddy covering the Big 12. Joshua Perry and Christian Hackenberg are covering the Big 10. Yogi Roth and Ted Robinson own the Pac-12. We have Harry Douglas and Cody Sensabaugh on the ACC. And, of course, we'll be here every week to be your go-to source on the SEC. Check the links below to find the rest of our shows, the Field of 12, where college football happens. Well, Uh... you know. I want to move on here because this is this has been awesome. This is our preview episode, everyone. So we're giving you a lot of the nuts and bolts. But you know, I want to move on before we end the show and kind of kind of dive into some of the lines. I mean, let let let's go ahead and do that. So we're going to move on to that. And you know, I think when we look at this, these are these are lines that are referenced on Bet River Sportsbook. So you can go check out these opening lines over there. Um, 
But just kind of looking at, I think, the three big games this week, the big non-conference games that we have. We got a bunch of other games, but these are the ones that are going to matter. These are the ones that are on TV. And it gets none bigger than Miami coming to Alabama. And let's face it, Alabama is a 19-point favorite in this game. The line's at 61 and a half uh, points. I think I think that's a low line <laughs> for, for points scored because <laughs> uh, I think Bama's going to hang a bunch on, and then I think De'Ara King is still going to have something to say about putting some points on the board. I think that's good. I mean, where do you see this Alabama-Miami game? I mean, is Miami even a match for what is, you know, the evil empire that is Alabama? No, look, I think I think Miami lost too much. I mean, outside of De'Aaron King and Rhett Lashley, I, I think those guys are going to be able to move the rock and put some points on the board and scheme some things up. And, and De'Aaron King is a talented enough player where they'll move the ball. But Alabama's defense is an absolute is going to be an absolute monster this year. And, and I, I think ultimately Alabama is is way too much for Miami. But I, I will say this, Max, I think the biggest question mark in, in college football this year is Bill O'Brien, um, the the new offensive coordinator at, at Alabama. I, I think, you know, I, I think he's a guy that spent some time in college, but he's been here in Houston with the Texans um, for the last seven years, I believe, before going to, to Alabama. Um, you know, I, I've watched him with Deshaun Watson. I've watched him with many quarterbacks along the way. And I really question, man, how he's going to be able to transition to college and how he's going, even as good as Bryce Young is, how is, is, is Bill O'Brien going to be able to get the best out of Bryce Young, knowing they lost the, the nation's leading rusher, they lost a Heisman Trophy winner. They lost a first-round quarterback. They lost uh, just a ton of talent on that offense. How Bill O'Brien, um, how he settles in in a college game, and more importantly, how he handles the quarterbacks at Alabama, I think it's going to be different than Sarkeesian and Dan Enos and Lane Kiffin. Um, the scheme that Bill O'Brien brings to the table, I think, is a major, major question. I think for a long period of time here in Houston with Deshaun Watson, he was a square peg, round hole guy, could never figure out how to put Deshaun Watson in a position to consistently win with his strengths instead of his weaknesses. I think that's going to be a real challenge for Bill O'Brien and could cause problems at Alabama. But with that said, I think they're just too good, too powerful. And with Nick at the top, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see them um, losing to Miami out of the gate. I don't think Miami has enough. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you completely. I think this is a completely overmatched uh, round for Miami. I think Miami is going to be good for the ACC. But once again, when you step into the SEC arena, it's it's a lot different. And like you said, but I think for Bill O'Brien right now and some of the games early this year, even when he's wrong, he's right because of the talent of, of Alabama. That's uh, right. And I and like you said, I think you pointed out some good points because you're right there in Houston. You've seen it firsthand. Bill O'Brien, I think, outschemes himself in a lot in a lot of situations when he's dealing with some of the offensive prowess of what a mobile dual threat quarterback is. I think he, you know, he he spent too much time up in New England and kind of just expected this to be a pocket guy. It's like, no, this kid needs to move. This kid can move and change defenses and secondary adjustments with his feet. If I shift four feet yep. to the right, guess what? That cover two looks completely different. <laughs> yeah, and no I question. He doesn't quite get that, and that's what you're going to have with Bryce Young. So I think it's going to be some learning pains because I don't think he has the creativity, like you said, Sarkeesian, uh, Lane Kiffin, hell, even Jim McElwain, right? I, I don't think he has that creativity bone in his body. I think this will ultimately led to him uh, kind of being ousted out of Houston. The good thing is he does not have trade power. 
which we know yeah. is a very good <laughs> asset for him not to have an ability. Um, yeah. The other game, you know, the other big game, which we kind of talked about earlier, Georgia and Clemson, neutral site. Clemson's only a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this. The total set about 50-and-a-half points. Um, you know, your, your initial thoughts when you look at this, I mean, you know, Tigers versus Dogs um, yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah, look, I, I think I think you're gonna get you're gonna get two legit powerhouses out of the gate. I mean, I think anybody anybody that's picking has these two teams in the top five or six in the country right now. And it's, it's college football playoff talks at, at both places. And somebody's going to lose this game, and arguably it could cost them a, a chance at the college football playoffs, even though it's the the first first week of the season. So you know, look, you got you got two. Um, you know, quarterbacks that I think are, are green, you know, they're still wet behind the ears with JT Daniels. And I'm not even going to try to say the, the kid at, at Clemson's name. Um, Uwe Yangalale. There you go. Appreciate you doing that. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many shows can you watch where the offensive lineman has to pronounce the quarterback's name for the old quarterback? Here you have it. Maybe yeah. it starts and starts. Exactly. You know I mean? but, uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think you got two guys that are wet behind the ears with two of the, the best defensive coordinators in the college football game. Uh, and so I, I think it makes for a hell of a matchup. I, I think it's for me. I know I need to see more. I need to see what these teams are made of. I, I haven't I haven't dug into each one of them's roster to know, you know, where the, the position wise, where the strengths and, and, and the good matchups are. But I know you got two of, of the best college football defensive minds in the game over the last 10 to 15, maybe even 20 years. And, and you they're both coaching against quarterbacks that that I mean, what does JT Daniels have four starts at Georgia last year? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the quarterbacks are wet behind the ears. So, look, I mean, I, I think it's an absolute toss-up. I, I, I would pick Clemson to win this football game and cover that spread. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, outside of my natural de- detestation for everything that is black and red in Georgia involved, um, <laughs> I think here, looking with a sound mind, it's going to be a tough uphill battle for them because I think, like, like I alluded to earlier, those injuries at the receiver position, those skill positions is going to significantly change how you approach this matchup. Because like you said, Clemson returns all those guys. All those guys were young last year on Clemson's defense. They're now older. They have experience. And all they do is go to college football playoffs. So they have an expectation in their mind. And they know that this gives you a a chance to move into, not in the driver's seat, because that's Alabama, but you get to move the co-pilot, navigator. You're right there in the front seat. You're next to everything. If things go wrong, you can take the you can take the controls, <laughs> right? Um, but that that that's what this game does, and I think Clemson and Dabo knows that, and Dabo's not going to miss an opportunity to go ahead and get that edge up, so that there's leave no doubt. Let everybody else talk about three and four. Just move me to number two after this victory, and then we'll just ride it on out through the ACC schedule. So I, I, I'm with you there, and going to Charlotte, it's going. To, it's not the normal confines for Georgia. Um, they will travel well because it's just there in North Carolina. But Clemson, that that area, that that's pretty much you know Northern South Carolina uh, when it comes right. to the <laughs> and their love. Um, last one we talked about. We talked about this earlier in the show. LSU going to LA, going to the City of Angels, going to play in the Rose Bowl against UCLA. LSU is a is a four point favorite in this game. The total though, sixty seven points. That's a high number to reach. I don't think they get to that unless LSU has a Mississippi State type performance on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't know if I can um, if I can full heartedly back up LSU going into UCLA after what I saw 
it be a very easy 44 to 10 victory for them on Saturday. Yeah, look, UCLA had 44 midway through the third, man. I mean, they they yeah. could have they could have put up 60 plus by themselves. So um I, I, I like UCLA in this game, especially with what LSU is going through right now. They're, they're here in Houston right now with the Hurricanes. Prayers up for everybody over in New Orleans, Lafayette, yes. Baton Rouge, and, and South Louisiana. Um, they're, they're going through it, man, once again. But LSU's here, so these guys have been out of pocket um, for, for a day plus now. And then they're going to they're be here for a couple of days and obviously shoot out, shoot out west to UCLA. On top of what we saw from UCLA versus Hawaii, I got to ride UCLA with this one right here. Getting four points at home, I would ride UCLA on this on this particular bet opening week. Um, and again, I, I just I, I don't feel as strongly. I feel like they're going to have a good season, but I, I don't feel as strongly about what we know about LSU right now. I typically, boy, I, I mean, I, I just feel whether it's right or wrong is is irrelevant. But boy, I feel like yeah. I really got LSU pegged now. And this year, man, I just – I don't. So, I'd go with UCLA uh, getting four points at home. And I'm yeah, with no, you, Max, on that, on that total. I, I would go under on that as well. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I, think, I think we're pretty much in lockstep on that one. Um, so, if you guys feel like we're right or we're wrong, call us dummies. Go bet against the spread that we said, but go to Bet River Sportsbook and do it. Or if you love what we're doing and you think that we should move to Vegas and do this show – uh, because we're now bookies, <laughs> you know, bet with us at Bet River Sportsbook as well. Uh, but, you know, as you guys can see, this is what you can expect from Clinton and myself throughout the year. So please make sure you go out, subscribe, go to wherever podcasts are available. We'll be there, Field of 12. If you want to check the Twitter handle and go ahead and subscribe from there. We'll be on all your known services. But hopefully you enjoyed the show. Leave your comments and everything else with us. We'd love to hear feedback. But once we come back, we'll have results on the next show, and we'll start previewing as we get through this season uh, the things that makes the SEC so great because, obviously, the tagline's simple. It just means more here. So it just means more to Clinton and I that you guys keep continuing to support us and following us. Um, once again, this has been SEC Primetime with Starks and Stern. I'm Max Starks. He's Clint Sterner. Expect to hear us for the rest of this season. Take care. Talk to you soon.